Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Hashem Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad 
It's me. 
שלום, מלאך עליון, ממלך מלכם, לאחים הקדוש ברוך Oh, oh, oh. 
Hey! 
book of Kings about a prophet of Hashem who could do some crazy things. As it opens up before you, I know you'll want to sing, but pay attention to the story first, and then we'll go full swing. business by his teacher, old Elijah, who owned a miracle franchise and could fix things deep inside you. Now the boss said, hey, Alicia, these are days of despots and kings. Some keep my commandments, others do evil things. Well, I'm sending you three royals, two who are a pain, because they have to cross a desert where there are no water mains. J.M. in the A.M. I'm dedicating that song to the hero of Thursday. <laughs> He's actually been the hero of Thursdays very, very often. And uh, for the last couple of weeks, he's really been the hero of Thursdays, but particularly yesterday, the hero of uh, Thursday of this week. And that's, of course, uh, Avrami Finkelstein dedicating that song and our opening set to him. 
here at JM in the AM. Yesterday, literally, I don't know how many of you caught this because uh, I don't know how evident it was and how many people were already tuned in, but I literally started the show and then uh, was not feeling well and had to leave um, after a few minutes of uh, the show emanating from New York. And Avrami literally took over JM in the AM at a moment's notice, and I thank him. Obviously, he took over the live lunch yesterday. I will, please God, please God, return to the Thursday live lunch, uh, hopefully this week, meaning next week. Uh, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem. Um, but uh, feeling a whole lot better. Not there yet, but uh, certainly feeling better than yesterday. That's an understatement. And I want to thank uh, Avrami for sitting in and keeping things going here at JM in the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Hamanagain, Avram Rosenblum uh, left a message that uh, that song is uh, uh, the, the title that he's preferring these days to that tune, which is a great song, is Hamanagain. Melachai from Avraham David. I'm not sure. Uh, why that, uh, and then before that, Bowie Kala from Moshe Klein. That song, for some reason, cut out after a short amount of time. Not sure why, but hey, the gremlins sometimes uh, hang out and affect the equipment in some way, shape, or form. Yoni Z had Bowie. That's brand new. Bosh Shabbos from Yaakov Shweki, the Moshav band, Mishalom Aleichem, and Mizmor David. Lechadodi by Aleif Tahard. Before that, by Avi Hess. Daga, the brand new one from Rafal Malul. Dani Kunstler's Bayom Hahu. Uh, which is brand new. Shma, brand new from Yaakov Chesed. And, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos, on this February the 4th, day 3 in the month of Adar 1, the year 5782. Tough Shin Pei Beis. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Truma with candle. Oh, did I not do the candle lighting time? Wow. Oh, Got to get back to myself. Candle lighting time at 457. We're calling candles for 457 here in New York on JM in the AM. 4.57, your official candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. 55 degrees with 94% humidity. Winds of southwest at 9 miles per hour. Some rain and freezing rain with a high temperature of 55. Then tonight, cloudy skies, a low of 23. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 33 degrees. Yushalayim, did I forget to get the weather from Yushalayim? Wow. <laughs> Talk about being out of practice for one day, huh? Uh, a line right now at 49, um, and we're at 55, believe it or not, here in New York City. It's going to turn from rain to freezing rain as we go through the day. Oh, already it's dropped to 53. It keeps dropping. By 10 o'clock, we're going to be in the 30s. By 10 o'clock this morning here in New York, we're going to be in the 30s. So the temperature continues to drop, and um, we'll have that freezing rain. Around noontime today in the uh, New York area. Anyway, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. I mentioned earlier in the week that uh, my brother passed away on February the 4th of 2011, 11 years ago today. His yard site is tonight, the 4th of Adar 1. It was, in fact, a a leap year when he passed away. So his real yard site is tonight, the 4th of Adar 1. Harav Moshe Yonah ben Harav Zeth Halevi. And um, I've been using the opportunity over the last 11 years to remind people in our community, to remind people in our listening audience that uh, due to the fact that he passed away from stage 4 esophageal cancer, we have been very, very focused over the years on on making sure that people who suffer from heartburn uh, understand that that very easily could turn into... uh, 
could turn into Barrett's, which unfortunately could turn into cancer. That's how it works. Now, I don't know the officially how it works, but I'm just telling you as a layperson what I know. So everybody uh, at a certain age, I guess, should be screened properly for different cancers, whether it's prostate, skin, uh, having a colonoscopy, having an endoscopy. An endoscopy is the one where they go down through the esophagus. Um, so everyone should be aware of it and speak to your doctor about it, but especially if you're a heartburn sufferer. If you're a heartburn sufferer, that could turn into Barrett's, that could turn into into cancer, and we use the opportunity of the anniversary of his passing, his yard site, my brother's yard site, to remind everybody to get those screenings. Get an endoscopy. Get an endoscopy so that uh, they can determine if, uh, if, God forbid, anything is developing and certainly deal with it as early as possible. I don't know how many times uh, it has been emphasized that early detection is the most effective manner in dealing with these situations. So I'm asking, please, everybody out there, if you are suffering from heartburn, take advantage of the opportunity we have these days and get a uh, a screening, get an endoscopy, and uh, check with your doctor about that and uh, good health practices. And um, hopefully, hopefully, as this has done in the past, hopefully this announcement and this uh, this warning, if you will, will be helpful to a lot of people. Uh, we've heard over the years that a lot of people have been have woken up to this whole situation because of these announcements. So I hope, again, it'll help. Believe you me. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Truma, Harry Rothenberg in the 7 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Malcolm Honline from Israel. Imagine that. Malcolm Honline from Israel coming up in the uh, in the well, 7 and 8 o'clock hour for the weekly update. <laughs> He'll be coming up from Israel, which is really nice. Pretty amazing when we get to connect with him or anybody from the Holy Land. And we'll do the weekly update and go through the events of this week. So get ready for that here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the uh, amazing NSN app. Galay Tal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. I was made aware yesterday of a program that actually does connect people in the United States to people from Israel. Um, this coming Sunday, in a program called Coffee and Conversation, sponsored in memory of Shlomo Eliezer and Rav Yaakov Zakheim, Truth Instincts with Rabbi, Yaak- with Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer, Rebbe and lecturer at Asha Torah. February 6, 9.30 in the morning. Uh, there are only 30 seats available for their group session in Brooklyn with a large screen for easy viewing. It starts at 9.30 with a full breakfast lecture and more, followed by a discussion with Dr. Fagi Zakheim and Rabbi uh, David Goldstein, sponsored by Asha Torah and Rage. Uh, it's called Coffee and Conversation. We have a big bit.ly uh, a big bit.ly um, uh, address for it. Uh, I'm assuming you can find out more information about it from Aisha Torah and Rage. That happens every Sunday. I thought it was unique for this week. But then I was told that it happens every Sunday. There's 30 spots available. Breakfast, lecture, discussion, etc. 
um, in a facility that is doing some remarkable things. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to go through some of that at some point in the near future here at JMDM. A lot of people doing some remarkable things and setting things up in memory of some key people that are really getting things done on a lot of different levels. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to explore that here at JM and the AM. Galite Sal in the background. Galite Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. ועדת השרים לקורונה מאשרת בשעה זו במשאל טלפוני את צמצום התו הירוק, כך שיחול רק באירועים בעלי סיכון גבוה להדבקה. על פי המתווה, החל מיום ראשון בחצות, יהיה צורך בתו ירוק רק באולמות אירועים, מועדונים ואולמות כנסים. כמו כן תבוטל מגבלת ההתקהלות הכללית וכן דרישות התו הסגול. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג מוסרת ששרי כחול לבן התנגדו לביטול התו הירוק. נשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין ונשיא סין שי ז'ינפינג בהצהרות חריפות נגד ארצות הברית ברגע המתיחות עם אוקראינה. בדבריהם מנהיגי סין ורוסיה קראו להפסקת התרחבות ברית נאטו וגינו את מדיניות האמריקנים ביחס למתיחות הרוסית עם אוקראינה. כתבת חדשות החוץ עומר עזרן מציינת שפוטין נחת בסין לקראת פתיחת אולימפיאדת החורף וזו הפגישה הראשונה שלו פנים מול פנים עם נשיא סין מזה כשנתיים. כארבע מאות פעילי שמאל הגיעו סמוך למאחז גבעת רונן בשומרון, במחאה על האירוע האלים שהתרחש במקום לפני שבועיים, אז רעולי פנים מהמאחז תקפו פעילי שמאל שהגיעו לאזור. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מוסר שכוח מג"ב עיכב היום את אחד מפעילי השמאל, לאחר שעל פי החשד התקרב לעבר לוחם צה"ל, דחף אותו והלם עם אגרוף בפניו. משחקי החורף האולימפיים לשנת 2022 נפתחים בשעה זו בבייג'ין בטקס הפתיחה הרשמי. בכך רושמת עיר הבירה של סין היסטוריה והופכת לעיר הראשונה שמארחת את המשחקים בקיץ ובחורף. כתב חדשות הספורט בר שמעון לוי מוסיף שהמשלחת הישראלית כוללת שישה ספורטאים שייצגו את ישראל בשלושה ענפים שונים. מזג האוויר קר מהרגיל העונה. גשם ירד לפרקים והוא ילווה בסופות רעמים יחידות, בעיקר בצפון הארץ. משעות אחר הצהריים הגשם מתפשט בהדרגה עד הנגב, קיים חשש להצפות במישור החוף ולשיטפונות בנחלי הדרום והמזרח. זיהום אוויר גבוה שורר באזורים רבים בארץ ויימשך עד אחר הצהריים. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת תרומה. בירושלים ב-4.36, בתל אביב תיכנס השבת ב-4.57, בחיפה ב-4.45 ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת שתי דקות לפני חמש. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר. בירושלים ובחיפה ב-5.53, בתל אביב ב-5.06 ובבאר שבע תצא השבת ב-5.56. לכל מאזינינו שבת שלום. אלה החדשות שערך בן נצר. Shemechol 
Yeah. 
J.M. and the A.M. Special shout out to uh, the great Simon Jacob. Um, spoke to him earlier this morning, and uh, it is no secret. <laughs> Special shout out to Simon Jacob. It's no secret that he is very excited that Shlomo Katz is the main performer of Kosher Halftime Show 2022. No secret whatsoever. And um, just like Simon's excited about it, we're excited about it. A week from Sunday, a week from Sunday, Kosher Halftime Show 2022, everybody. A week from Sunday during halftime. 
Um, it'll go live. You'll be able to access it at NahumSegal.com, of course, on our Facebook page, and probably a million other methods, including all of our WhatsApp groups. That's all happening. It's going to be happening uh, Sunday, the 13th of February, with Shlomo Katz from Israel in a show designated to bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora for us right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. JM and the AM in a Friday morning broadcast. That's me, Ani, from Shlomo Katz. And yes, Simon is very excited, and he should be. And I knew he would be. Because um, Shlomo Katz is remarkably incredible. And if anybody's going to bridge the gap between Israel and diaspora, it's him, that's for sure. Zusha before that with Yishai Rebo and Lachad Dodi, a song everyone's talking about. Amazing that... uh, that collaboration worked as well as it did. Actually, maybe not so amazing. Maybe it's not so difficult to believe, but it really worked well. My thanks to Avrami Finkelstein. He is the hero of the week. Uh, Yesterday at the last minute, as I mentioned earlier, literally at the last minute, he um, took over for me, subbed at JM in the AM, and I thank him. So Avrami, as he's done many, many times over the last 15-plus years, came through with the flying colors in an amazing emergency situation. (laughs) So thank you, Avrami. Uh, Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and um, comment away. Listener Schwiger says, thank you for reminding your listeners about the importance of early screening. May your brothers and Shama have an aliyah. Thank you for that. Appreciate that very much. Um, listener Edie says, Moshe's Neshama Shav and Aliyah. Shekoch for keeping your listening audience informed. I'm sure you've saved many lives. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to get to the Eitan Katz song, Truma. It was released yesterday afternoon. It is Parsha's Truma. Mark Zamek had the amazing uh, Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's going to be on again at 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, he includes that song. And yes, we're going to get to it. Um, Schwiger says, Boker Tov, good Erev Shabbos, great to have you back on the air. Kudos to Avrami for a job well done, especially on short notice. Yeah, you have no idea. Pretty amazing what Avrami's able to do, and boy, it is appreciated. That I can tell you. Uh, before we get to Harry Rothenberg, I did want to mention that, um, listener Cena wrote to us on Wednesday about a birthday that I think was yesterday. So I apologize because, again, I didn't see the email yesterday morning. I had not really gotten into the work mode yet when I went uh, when I when I decided to leave. Uh, Boker Tov, hope you're feeling well. Um, best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to my fantabulous son-in-law, Shia Dove Schreiber of Bayswater. Wishing you a year filled with good health, simchas, and abundant nachas. Maybe Zoka to celebrate many more birthdays. In good health together with Sippy and your beautiful children. With much love from Ima. And of course, we know her as listeners, Sina, down there in the Sunshine State. So I hope that uh, even though that wish was a day late, I hope it's uh, understood that it's as heartfelt as ever. That is for sure. Um, Harry Rothenberg. Oh, and I want to thank, by the way, the Rothenberg Law Firm. They are, again, the presenting sponsor of Kosher Halftime Show 2022. Thank you very much to the Rothenberg Law Firm. Again, they are again the um, presenting sponsor of Kosher Halftime Show 2022. Big thank you to them. 
Harry Rothenberg has words about Parsha's Truma. Here he is at JM in the AM. Very often, the one thing that stands in between us and more careful observance of the mitzvahs, the commandments, is just simply memory. Remembering that God is up there and he gave us some rules. There are certain things he wants us to do and certain things that he does not want us to do. And that's you wake in the morning. And you know you're supposed to get out of bed and go pray. But you just can't crawl out of bed. You're reaching for the snooze button. And all of a sudden, God himself, in that voice, whispers in your ear, get out of bed now and pray. You're probably going to get out of bed and go pray. Or imagine you're working on something. You know you should be keeping kosher and you're trying hard, but that ham sandwich is staring you in the face and you can't resist and you're about to give in and you reach for it. And all of a sudden God's voice says, I wouldn't do that, buddy. You probably wouldn't do that. And now we can begin to understand at least one aspect of the Mishkan, the tabernacle to which we begin an introduction in this week's Parsha. We read about its dimensions and its grandeur, its beauty, its utensils, its tapestries, which were meant to impress upon us, God is here. Now, God does not say, like in Field of Dreams, if you build it, I will come, I will visit. He says something much stronger. He says, if you build it, I will dwell there. If we build, back when we did it, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and then later the temple, he's not going to leave. He's there always, which leads to a bit of an issue because the sages tell us that God says, I will not stand in the same place as the haughty or the arrogant. Somebody's a big shot, thinks they're in charge. God says, okay, big guy, you're in charge. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. But what happens when a haughty, arrogant person shows up in the Mishkan? or in the temple, in the base of Mikdash, or nowadays in our last remaining vestige, that last remaining outer wall, the Kotel, the Western Wall. What's going to happen? On the one hand, God has said, I'm leaving. On the other hand, he has said, here, if you build it, I will dwell. I'm not leaving. So something has to give. What gives? We know. Many of us have seen it. Many of us have seen when a big shot shows up at the Kotel, particularly for the first time, and they are leveled. They are crying, often on their knees, trying to stand up. They can't explain it. They often can't speak. They don't know what's going on. What's going on is that there's this showdown, an impasse, and something has to give. And God's not leaving, so they have to give in. Which reminds me of a related story. A few years ago, I was running a trip in Israel for Jewish men, a number of whom were visiting Israel and the Kotel for the first time. And on Shabbos, one of them came over to me, and he said, all right, I give up. You got to explain it to me. How do they do that? I said, how do they do what? He said, at the wall, how do they do the buzzing? I said, what buzzing? He said, listen, I put my hand on the wall and I feel a buzzing. When I take my hand off, I don't. I put it back on, it's buzzing. I take it off, it's not. He said, so we went on Wednesday. I figured, all right, they run some kind of electrical current through the wall. But then I figured, they must turn it off for Shabbat. And so now, I put my hand on the wall. It's Friday night, it's Shabbat, and it's still buzzing. So I give up. How do they do that? I said, you are asking the wrong guy the wrong question. He said, what do you mean? I said, first of all, there is no electric current in the hotel, in the wall. They don't do anything. Second, I'm jealous that you're feeling a current. I don't. And third, what you should be asking and to whom you should be posing your question is you should be asking him how he does it. They're not doing anything. That's God. He's here right now. And he never leaves this spot.
J.M. in the A.M. with Yaakov Shweki and Smechim B'Tzaytam. Before that, Yeshira Hadasha Boys Choir in Keladon. Friday morning, J.M. in the A.M. My thanks to Harry Rothenberg for his words about Parsha's Truma and a reminder that uh, the Rothenberg Law Firm is sponsoring and presenting our amazing and incredible kosher halftime show this year with uh, Rabbi Shlomo Katz. A performance that we are confident is going to uh, bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. We are confident that that'll happen. And a big yeshikoch to uh, Rabbi Shlomo Katz and to everybody's working hard on that side of the ocean, to everybody's working hard here on this side of the world to make sure that our kosher halftime show is going to be as great as ever. It goes live, of course, during halftime of the big game, and you know when that is, the 13th of February. Love Yerushalayim says, Shalom from Yerushalayim, Eretz Yisrael. Love when I get the chance to listen to you live during my Shabbos cooking. Thank you. That is much appreciated. Thank you, Jerusalem. <laughs> um, maybe we'll be in Jerusalem soon. Who knows? Um, listener Sandy reminds us, and Sandy, thank you so much for reminding us. Uh, for all of us who remember Chaim Lobo Solberg, today is his fifth yard site. Cannot believe it's five years. Cannot believe it's five years. Wow. Um, today's Lobo's fifth yard site is Neshama have an Aliyah. Try to do a chesed in his honor. May your brothers Neshama have an Aliyah. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, Lobo was uh, certainly like a brother to me as well. I have a real brother whose yard site is tonight. And then a brother like Lobo whose yard site is being observed now. And again, it is hard to believe it's five years. And those of you who knew Lobo... I am sure there's a smile on your face right now just thinking of one or two memories of his incredible friendship, of his incredible chesed, his incredible disposition. Remarkable person. Coming up, the weekly update. Malcolm Honline will join us from Israel. Uh, he is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Our friends at A&H remind you that Super Bowl season is grilling season. You want to make sure you have everything you need for your Super Bowl party. And I remind you that this portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more, old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more, and modern better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net and try A&H today. And I bet, I bet that everybody out there who is uh, listening carefully just arrange, just by listening to that list, just arrange their entire Super Bowl party. Because everything I just said from A&H, if you get it all on your uh, table, if you get it all on your, uh, if you get it all in your home before next Sunday, you'll be all set for a high-quality Super Bowl party, that I could tell you. <laughs> anyway. No joke. No joke. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. My thanks again to Avrami for sitting in yesterday. A last-minute emergency he took care of JM and the AM. He took care of our live lunch on Thursday. He has been overworked, but uh, it's much appreciated, everything that he, did, that he has done over the last uh, few weeks especially, but uh, certainly over the last 15-plus uh, years as well. I remind you that the Talmud Mishnah sale is on right now at Artscroll. Go to artscroll.com. It's 30% off on all Talmud and Mishnah sets and volumes. The intro to Talmud, the Ein Yaakov, the Tosfos, the preloaded art scroll iPad, 
Make sure to use promo code radio. You know the rule. Every time you go to artscroll.com, there is one rule, and that rule is always use promo code radio. Artscroll, always use promo code radio. Simple as that. When you go to artscroll.com. Uh, listener Daniel says, good morning and good Shabbos from AJA Carpool number 204, commemorating the art sites of great-grandparents Shalom Crumbine and the Sadie Falk. Uh, that's from listener Daniel. And we thank everybody down in Atlanta for tuning in to all of us here at JM&AM. I do remind you that our friends at ShopEichlers.com have a major event at Eichlers in Borough Park. They have a major event at Eichlers in Borough Park this coming Sunday. Uncle Maishi is going to be appearing. This is the corner of 13th Avenue and 50th Street in Borough Park, Brooklyn. Uncle Maishi will appear, and he'll sign, uh, uh, you know, he'll do a, a book signing. He'll do a, uh, I'm sure, a CD signing. Uh, that's going to happen starting at uh, 1 o'clock and at 3 o'clock, Uncle Maishi. And then also Sunday, Rabbi Yitzi Erps, the great storyteller, at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Um, that's all going to be happening at... Uh, Eichler's in Borough Park, Brooklyn. So keep that in mind. Eichler's in Borough Park, Brooklyn. They are going to have Uncle Maishi and Rabbi Yitzi Erps on Sunday as they celebrate Book Week. Keep that all in mind, everybody. A reminder from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, a reminder from Ohel. Ohel's TheraZoom. Support for families during these challenging times will have a dynamic virtual conversation on hope and resilience with Dr. Edith Egger, the New York Times bestselling author of The Choice and The Gift, this coming Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, introductory remarks by uh, CEO of OHEL, David Mandel, uh, facilitated by Dr. Norman Blumenthal, OHEL's actor, family chair in uh, trauma and crisis counseling. You could, uh, you could um, register for the event right now. When you go to uh, ohelfamily.org, again, that is ohelfamily.org. You can register for the event right now and participate this coming Wednesday nights. All right, so a lot going on, plenty happening. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us from Israel. Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. There is a lot happening, a lot going on on this uh, Friday Erev Shabbos here at the JM in the AM. Uh, that is a uh, an understatement. And we will continue with uh, we will continue with this one from uh, Lipa at JM in the AM. Tell me, don't you love me? Have you ever, 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 ever
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Nodu Shimcha and uh, Ohev Shalom done by Lipa here on a Friday morning broadcast. want to wish a happy birthday to all those who are celebrating a birthday today on the 4th of February. Candlelighting 457 here in New York. 457 is your candlelighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. New York, we're calling it for 457 on this Erev Shabbos. Parshas Truma. I mentioned earlier that um, 11 years ago today, my uh, brother passed away from esophageal cancer. In fact, his yard site, it was 11 years to go today on the 4th of February, but the yard site is tonight on the 4th of Adar 1. And I did remind, um, or I, I said this morning, early, I said earlier this morning, and I reiterate that um, over the years we've announced that uh, Many people are likely unfamiliar with esophageal cancer. It's not one of the better well-known ones. Often it happens and it develops because of uh, heartburn that turns into Barrett's, that turns into cancer. And therefore, we are highly recommending to anybody who's a heartburn sufferer, or really anybody, speak to your doctor, uh, to get an endoscopy. Many people are familiar with colonoscopies. People are familiar with skin cancer screenings, prostate tests, etc., a lot of people are not familiar with, and ironically, by the way, today, I think it's today, it's either today or tomorrow is world, is, is either World Cancer Day or Cancer Day here in the United States. Um, so become familiar with it. Endoscopy, it's called. It's the screening for esophageal cancer uh, and uh, really any cancer of the upper part. And um, this announcement has helped people over the years, has really helped catch things early. And you know that early detection is, of course, the key, as we always say. So keep that in mind. In our Divrei Torah this morning from Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin are dedicated to my brother's memory, Harav Moshe Yonah ben Harav Zev Halevi, who we remember uh, on this era of Shabbos. JM in the AM, a uh, reminder that our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com have thousands of articles that you can print out to read over Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Check it out. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and uh, enjoy uh, I've been mentioning with great glee that Rabbi Shlomo Katz is going to be headlining our kosher halftime show, which is being done enti- well, almost entirely in Israel this year. Why is it being done in Israel? To bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. A week from Sunday, the Rothenberg Law Firm presents Kosher Halftime Show 2022. As, um, again, we at the Nahum Siegel Network are working on uh, making it as great a production as possible with our friends in Israel. And uh, our goal is to bridge the gap. So get ready. It's going to be a great show. It'll go live during halftime of the Super Bowl. And on the subject of bridging the gap, it's amazing to uh, be able to introduce Malcolm Honline, who is in Israel. He's also going to help us bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora that we've suffered with for the last two years. Uh, Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He is with us from the Holy Land on this Friday era of Shabbos. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be here. And especially from this perspective, especially from this perspective of being able to look over Yerushalayim as I talk to you. Must be amazing, frankly. We, we, we continue to emphasize, and you just heard what I had to say about one of our special projects that literally this year is going to be centered on bridging the gap of the terrible divide that Israel and diaspora have had over the last couple of years. You've had a little bit of a different perspective on this. 
than I have in terms of the way Israel's acted. But now it's not a time to uh, to criticize or to praise those who've acted during the pandemic. It's time to recognize that there are people in diaspora who are desperately trying to get back that connection to the Holy Land. With that in mind, it must. I, I don't know how many times you've been there during the pandemic. It still must be an extra special feeling being there today, um, uh, again, after having missed it for so long. Absolutely. I, I have to say, I, I look forward with anticipation. I, I was there three times this year, in the past year, not this year. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, for a year or, or more, was not able to go. And, of course, it tears at us, and it, it's painful for many people who are unable to go because of the restrictions of their children being unable to travel. Thank God the students are here in yeshivot and seminaries and universities. Uh, the hotels are not full, uh, but there are more tourists coming now, so the balance is not 99% Israelis, but getting closer to 50-50. Uh, the planes are full. They're flying full. Um, I think there will be an explosion, but... You know, I think it's not, as you said, not a time to criticize government decisions. The governments didn't decide to do this because of estrangement from the diaspora. It's the last thing they want, but they had to make decisions. And whether they were wise or not, time will tell, or you can criticize. But I think a lot of the exaggerated statements about moral disgraces and the things were, were unfounded. Israel wants now to reach out uh, in many ways to the, to the communities brought to get people to come back, to show them that they really care, and I think... Uh, we'll see a, a tourism increase, uh, certainly by the time Pesach comes. All right. We uh, Again, I have a little bit of a different perspective. My audience is obviously familiar with that on the caring issue, but uh, again, that's not for now. Uh, it's great that you're there, and it's always extra special when we get to conduct this conversation uh, with at least one of us there uh, in the Holy Land. Um, and, and funny enough, you know, you talk about what you just described, you know, what the last two years have been like, and funny enough, you land there at a time where if the anecdotal evidence is correct, <laughs> it sounds like everybody's getting getting this corona now. Like, it's funny that they're opening up when they are, and again, not a criticism, I'm thrilled about it, but everywhere, everyone I speak to now, it seems that they, or family members, or people they know, are all being, you know, struck by this Omicron. So, who knows, maybe... <laughs> Maybe maybe we should have been a little bit more open than we were. Again, not for today's conversation, but the reality is that maybe with the volume of people that you're going to interact with and see and speak to who have either had it recently or are experiencing it now, maybe that will get us to a point where this could, could all get back to normal. And nobody's proven that uh, the herd immunity, but the numbers are going down here and pretty dramatically and expected over the next two weeks to reduce even greater. There are some serious cases, and that those remain uh, at, at a the same level, uh, so it's it's not that it's it, people dismiss it. You see many more people wearing masks, certainly indoors. I think that the, the, those decisions would made more and more about <clears throat> who can get in. They're going to lessen the restrictions and the requirements, even maybe not the PCR test. That we'll see in the next the days, and uh, as the government makes decisions. Uh, but uh, we already see the, the change. I know for reservations and hotels. They've said that they've seen the uptick for the Pesach period and for other times. And and how long do people stay away? They want to come, and they should be able to come, and we should make it. You know, it, it, I think that people too often take Israel for granted because we can just go freely and pick up and go the next day to Israel, that 
we're reminded in this period how how much we cherish Israel, how how central it is to our lives and to the lives of most Jews abroad. Yeah, believe me, I hear exactly what you're saying and really important words and worth the time to, to spend on that theme, and I appreciate that. Obviously, a lot of news, and we'll try to get to as much as possible. Um, and, and I don't even know, you know, it, it may be even unfair for me to ask you for a comment on this because I don't even know what there is to say, but just how, how sad, how sad that uh, Jonathan Pollard starts this new life in Israel um, and and we, of course, all these years were so concerned about his health and it ends up his wife, who I did not realize had fought the way she did for his release and, and did all the things that uh, uh, that she did over these decades. How sad that she has passed away at this point. Well, it is very sad. It would be sad in any event, but it's especially sad in this context that she did fight for his release and um, they've been living in Israel for over a year, and it was, this was their dream being fulfilled. I think the um, um, the, the cancer that she had and, and stuff was something that's been around for years. She's been fighting uh, very courageously against. She was fighting courageously against it. Right. Um, I know, you know, former Prime Minister Netanyahu went to pay a visit, a Shiva visit, and at the funeral, many dignitaries, including the mayor of Jerusalem. And the chairman of the Jewish agency were there to, um, to 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 be president, to show support um, to uh, Jonathan, and to pay tribute to his wife, Lola Yeah, and uh, I, I, again, a lot of things I didn't realize how long they knew each other, and all the work that she did. And uh, yeah, he had. Uh, there there are some amazing videos of uh, the funeral and shiva that are coming out that I recommend everybody. Uh, try your hardest to uh, to watch. You'll see. Uh, you'll learn. A, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this entire episode. That's for sure. Um, Malcolm, what could you tell us about what happened uh, uh, with the uh, ISIS leader in Syria? That he's dead, <laughs> and that the United States carried out a raid. And we'll learn more of the details. There reports that an American helicopter was shot down. There reports of you know collateral damage or whatever. But it's the message, the real importance, I think, is that uh, it underscores what I mentioned last week, I think, in our discussion about the resurgence of ISIS, yeah. that people who had counted it down and out uh, were wrong, that it's been rebuilding its forces in Syria, in Iraq, in other places, in, in, in Yemen, uh, certainly in Egypt, they're still present and still posing a, a threat. And the uh, the, uh, the prison uprising has has focused attention on it because it was such a large-scale operation, 3,000 prisoners in that camp, and the uh, Kurds who are charged with guarding these camps uh, fought valiantly. Eventually, with American assistance and others, they were able to round up most of the, uh, and take retake control of the prisons. But nobody should discount uh, ISIS and, the, and its recruitment of new, new people. Um, when I, I, I've, I've asked you this before, in terms of when a leader is taken out of one of these terror organizations, I mean, to what degree does it set the organization back? How significant is it in terms of uh, delaying their growth and trying to find new leadership? That's a really important question, and, and nobody has a magic formula to weigh it. But certainly the removal of Osama bin Laden, the removal of uh, Soleimani in, in Iran or others, uh, Farzadeh, the, the nuclear scientist, it makes a difference. 
they can't replace these people, both their knowledge, their experience. Uh, they have not been able to replace Soleimani. The person who took his uh, job in Iraq is clearly not as respected. He's not the symbol. He's not the aggressive leader that uh, Soleimani was. And inside Iran, too, on his yard site, they had nationwide commemoration, statues going up of him, uh, some of which were burnt down right away. But it's very hard for them to replace the leadership. It also sets off internal strife between people over who should be the successor. Um, it happens in democracy. I'm Salzburg with Hariri's uh, assassination in Lebanon. Till today, they have not recovered. And his son just left Lebanon. And Lebanon now on the brink of total chaos, or already in total chaos, with Hezbollah taking advantage of it and increasing its, uh, its presence and its uh, dominance, which obviously means Iran presence and and uh, and dominance in the country and and we've seen some of the statements how they are a cleansing part of Lebanon of the uh, of the um, of the population and imposing more of a Shiite population their whole families are selling their property to others who are really fronts to Christians or other uh, Sunnis only to find out that they're really fronts for Hezbollah and they turn uh, as they are doing in Syria, Iran is doing in Syria, turning the mosques, the Sunni mosques, into Shiite mosques, and consolidating their positions in these countries. And this is, you know, doesn't get much attention. Um, you will see a Lebanon that is not the balanced situation of Christian, Sunni, Shiite, Druze, etc., but much more dominant by the Shiites under Hezbollah-controlled Lebanon, and um, it will be a safe haven for for terrorists to operate out of, and one of the reasons why Israel works so assiduously to make sure they don't get the advanced weaponry that Iran keeps trying to transfer to them via Syria. I think um, I think I'd ask you this even if you weren't in Israel, but because I always get this impression that when you're there, uh, you're you know even better connected to some of the government officials. But did Israel have a role in this? You know, if this if this is true, if the New York Times is right that this took months to plan. Uh, is Israel consulted? Is Israel uh, have an active role in eliminating this guy? I don't think that necessarily an active role. Israel shares a lot of intelligence with the United States about all the countries in the region, and uh, certainly the ones that are closest to Israel, where, where Israel has to monitor them very carefully. Uh, this is a threat. We have thousands of troops, so it's a threat to U.S. troops and a threat to U.S. security. And the the um, role of the Russians there and the Turks and the Iranians, everybody operating in Syria uh, has a lot of implications for us. I, I discussed last week the joint Syrian-Russian trolls, which, as you saw, got mentioned uh, uh, almost a week later in the press for the first time, talking about what the implications that if it's against Iran, against things, they're not limiting Israel's, Russia is not limiting Israel's ability so far to respond, as we have seen. Uh, including this week where they took out a big arms depot near Damascus. But the 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 larger picture is still one of uh, concern to everybody, of instability, of uh, the extremists able to take advantage. Iran very cleverly uh, dismantled its Shiite militia and then replaced it with even more people recruited from the population in Syria because they pay them a lot. And they're changing the Sunni mosque to Shiite mosques, and they are still, now these people who live in the areas closest to the Golan are able to be under Iranian control, but not limited by the agreement to pull back 50 kilometers or 100 kilometers from the border. 
so sometimes the remedy can create a new circumstance that's even worse. I know I ask you this every week, but again, it's a little bit of a different context because I would assume you're going to be meeting with some of the Israeli officials there, and I don't know how tolerant they're going to be of this, uh, but it does seem again, and I know it sounds like a broken record, but it does seem again that the U.S. is ready to lead uh, you know, some type of actual deal um, closure with Iran. At least that's what the mainstream media is reporting and keeps reporting as if they're, you know, as, as if they can't wait for the jubilation that's going to, you know, occur the, the moment this thing is actualized. Uh, do you think that Israel will take a, a strong stand to discourage the United States from making this a final deal? Or in this case, they're just ready to act whether there's a deal or not? Well, Israel will, will do whatever is necessary to deal with an Iranian threat. But, but let's take it, break it down again for people to understand that even if there is a deal, it's not going to change the reality on the ground because Iranians know how to enrich. They've installed the IR-6s, I understand, under the New Deal. They don't have to take them down, destroy them. They just have to freeze them in place or you know, disconnect them from the system. But overall, once Iran has the knowledge how to do to enrich the 90 percent, they've already they're doing it now at 60 percent, which is a, they're 30, 20 times what they're supposed to do in a violation of the agreements. Their ballistic missile capacity continues to be developed under under the guise of a space program, but all a violation of U.N. resolutions. They haven't promised with weaponization, meaning affixing the enriched uranium to a, a weapon that could be put on a, a rocket. But that's technical. So even if there is a deal, and unless the deal includes imposing the sanctions, not re- releasing the sanctions on the oil and petrochemical sector, not allowing the tens of billions of dollars that Iran has in countries like Japan, you know, uh, South Korea, et cetera, around the world. Unless we, we prevent that, then Iran will run with the cash like they did last time, pour it into their terrorist activities, threaten all the countries in the region, including Israel, and will not abide in the end by any agreement. They still don't let the international atomic energy inspectors see the sites so we don't even know all the places where they are enriching where they're building facilities look how quickly they rebuilt the facility at Nantans, which was completely destroyed and build it bigger and better and now building underground facilities which will become more impenetrable to air attack it'll make it much more uh, much more difficult the positive note was senator menendez and those who live in new jersey should be writing him People everywhere should be writing him to thank him for the very strong stance he took in Congress opposing the deal. And and this is somebody who I think was not in the opposition, the lead opposition in the original deal, but uh, taking into account what Iran has done since then and the situation that we have today. Russia is playing a bigger role inside Iran, I can tell you, and uh, and wants a deal, but the deal that will benefit uh, Iran because it will benefit them in the long run as well. So Iran continues on every front being offensive. You know, what they're doing to their own athletes was uh, exposed this week. It was really quite remarkable when you see how far they go in the violation of human rights, et cetera. And, the, you know, the Iranians did stop production at one of their facilities at Kars. But, you know, in the media mentions that, but they don't talk about all the other facilities that are still running. And uh, the danger that Menendez, Senator Menendez uh, highlighted in this, Morocco uh, issued a very strong uh, statement about the, uh, what, what Iran is doing in Africa. And they talked about them 
um, I thought it was talking about spiritual security, threatening Africa's spiritual security, because they're trying to introduce the, the radical Shiite doctrine in, into the region. And, you know, the, we, they accuse Hezbollah of having been involved, and certainly even in fighting against the, with the Polisario against Morocco in Western Sahara. So Iran, uh, I think that the chance of a deal are 50-50 at this point. There are people in the administration who have told me that they don't believe the deal is possible. There are others who are saying they do believe that a deal, uh, the outlines of a deal uh, have been proposed. Iranian representatives are going back with their own proposals, which include, I'm told, you know, having to reduce American troops in the region, which clearly is a Russian demand, not an Iranian uh, priority, and, um, and, and the total release from uh, the sanctions. They want a commitment up front. When they will do, we will see them do exactly what they've done before. And the threat is not diminished by this. Maybe the immediacy, but so it'll take them another month, another two months to reestablish it as they did now. As long as the knowledge is there and the capacity is there, they can do it anytime. It's just funny how you paint it as 50-50 when it looks to me like the general media has it at like 99%. It's funny. like They're, they're so joyous in, in anticipation of the big day. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, big day for us as Malcolm Honelines in Israel, as we like to say. In every situation where one of us is in Israel, we're bridging the gap between Israel and diaspora, but now especially two years into this uh, pandemic, every opportunity we get to bridge uh, the gap between uh, the diaspora and Israel, we try to take advantage. And next weekend, please God, with our Kosher Halftime Show, which is going to be uh, centered on Rabbi Shlomo Katz and his performance in Israel, we'll be doing it again. Uh, Everything in our power that we can do to bridge the gap between Israel and diaspora we have a lot of work to do after these two years, everybody. So I hope that you're you're ready. You're ready for the ride um, of uh, of of really establishing a much more closer relationship again between the two. Um, do you worry? I, I mean, I, I, I'm asking this, I guess, in the context of the Ukraine, or or many people would think I am, but I'm 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 really asking in general because of the way you just painted the future of the Middle East. Uh, do you worry when the Russian and Chinese leaders get together to meet? Anytime they get together, it can't be good for us. Uh, whether they manifest it, as they have with the joint naval exercise of Russia, China, Iran, in the North Sea, um, whether it's a manifest in uh, some of the other joint activities, but Russia and China coming together, uh, obviously it's an alignment against the United States. Uh, it plays out in the backdrop of the Ukraine and uh, the Taiwan issues and all the other crises that we face in the competition um, for them. China is heavily invested in Iran. They're buying the oil. They are not interested in a conflict. They don't want to get involved. They don't have ideological goals, except as with every place else, to establish themselves economically, to be able to take out of the country, as in Africa, where it's food, and or in Iran, where it's oil and uh, energy, and to build up their own economy and, and economic strength. Uh, they have a strong military I think they were prepared to use that strong military if they want, if they deem it necessary. But I don't think they want a war. I don't think Russia wants a war. Uh, I think for Russia, it's a much more difficult, given the, it's much more difficult given the economic conditions, where they have been very hit, hard hit, uh, only saved because of the price of oil going up so much, and they are the number one exporter of oil, not Saudi Arabia and 
of the countries that people usually uh, assume are uh, is, a, is a prominent country in, in the export. Uh, Russia is um, meddling in many uh, areas. Putin is a very shrewd guy, and he takes advantage of whenever he thinks there's weakness. And, and he created facts, like in the Crimea, like in Donbass. And he has designs on other areas as well. He wants to, to reassert the control of the former Soviet uh, Union in countries in Central Asia and, of course, the Ukraine and others. And they, that's why, to a large extent, I think he's achieved a lot of his goals. The question is whether he has a military objective. But he got the world to pay attention to his demands on NATO to, I think, slow down any drive of expanding NATO. It may, probably didn't eliminate it. But I think they're going to think twice or three times after this and getting the United States and others to sit down with him and discuss these issues. So to a large degree, he can claim a, a victory already. But that 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 may not satisfy what his real objectives are. Wow. And and, and again, even though you've described it, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't get my head around the real objectives of China are unless – just expansion, like, you know, whatever they can take control of, whatever countries they can have more influence in, right? Would that basically describe it? They, they don't want control. They want influence because they don't want to be a burden with having to balance the budgets and take care of the taxes and stuff. They want to be present where they feel they need a military presence, but more importantly, the economic presence. That's why they're building ports everywhere in Africa. They're trying to build in very strategic places, um, ports they did in the UAE, they even, even the Haifa port they negotiated for. Uh, they are trying to, to control as much as they can at the flow of goods and, and be part of that, uh, of the international system when it comes to it, without paying a heavy price. I mean, they don't commit soldiers and they don't have to commit abroad. They're certainly in the near abroad, meaning adjacent countries and stuff. China is very active. But their uh, Road and Belt initiative is spreading. It's in Iran. It's in the Gulf. It's elsewhere. And it's primarily an economic motivation. It's not to to propose that their radical ideology be adopted, although I think that they they have numerous uh, side objectives that they would like to achieve as well. But their, their main goal, energy, 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 and food, and other things that they need, to feed this kind of a large population. All right, if I don't, if I don't get to this topic, there are going to be some people that are upset. Um, Malcolm, uh, you know. Malcolm Holine's reaction to Whoopi Goldberg. I knew what was coming. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that the we, we have to make sure that this is an important teaching moment, that the message not get lost. It's not a black, white, black, Jewish issue <clears throat> that, the, the real disaster here is the is the lack of education that a third of American teens think the Holocaust is exaggerated or fabricated, that they, they get their information not from their schools, but they go online where you see so much Holocaust uh, denial. Half of the students knew how many Jews were killed, and 92% wanted to know more. But most of them pointed out that so do social media is where they're learning what the information our comments were certainly insensitive ignorant i mean to to deny the racial component of uh, hitler's objectives is um you know just contrary to the facts but i I don't want her to be the focus i think there's a really fundamental crisis in terms of you know anti-semitism in america and we talk about it a lot in france 
there was an increase by 75% in 2021. When we see what's happening in many countries in, in the universities, uh, Algeria is now becoming a base of, of uh, vicious anti-Semitic uh, provocation, joining other countries that uh, we all know. Uh, I, I can go through all the statistics, but they all point to a very serious situation of ignorance about the Holocaust and ignorance about anti-Semitism, some of it deliberate. When you see people marching as neo-Nazis in Orlando and across yeah. the country, the swastika becoming part of the COVID demonstrations, you know, it, it, people dismiss these things. I do not. I think it's it's a reflection of what the next generation is going to believe when we don't have the survivors, at least to give testimony. We saw this report from the Diaspora Ministry in Israel, here in Israel, that a 1,200 percent increase in the number of anti-Semitic posts inciting to violence over the last year on the Internet. So if that's where they're getting their information, that's dangerous in and of itself. Yeah. And we have to take advantage of this moment when there is attention to at least make sure that the information is there and that, you know, people have to be held to account. And, and we, we see people conducting or carrying out anti-Semitic attacks, and they and 10 minutes later they're walking the streets again. No, that's not acceptable. And we have to really make our voices heard when schools and teachers and others are professing anti-Semitic views. Don, I want to see the suspension of a truck driver if he, in fact, dumped snow on, on Jews. Yes, be fired. And then everybody else will get the message. Otherwise, slaps on the wrist, don't educate. Yeah, I get that. Uh, but it seems that, the in general, the atmosphere now is, as you just described it, that you have to fire, you can't just, I mean, or suspend. You know, there's no such thing as just rebuking somebody anymore or, you know, understanding their apology or accepting their apology. Um, and, and, and therefore I'd like to suggest that it's not really, I, I hope I'm right about this. It's not really the Jewish community that reacted to her, uh, by, and, and demanded that she be fired. I think that again, that's the culture of today that there's going to be, you know, strong disciplinary mm-hmm. action, even when someone tries to explain themselves, even when they feel bad about it, even when they apologize for it. You know, I'd like to think that, that it's not pressure from our community that ended up with that result. Am I naive? Well, it wasn't. It came a lot of it came from CNN, but but I think that it can't be in every case. We, we have to draw distinctions about the severity of the of the actions of people. I think her in her case, it, it's a chance to really educate a lot of people. I don't know that she should be fired. I think that the the repercussions, you know, it, at some point things like that backfire. Uh, and uh, I think, again, she uh, she would visit the Yad Vashem she was invited to in this two weeks that she's off. That would be a really important gesture, and she comes out and says, hey, component. I mean, she has said that she never realized it. How somebody growing up in America and having the you know, education and the opportunities and the stuff that she has not to know the true nature of what the Nazi ideology was, again, the blacks as well, they saw them as inferior, they saw many people as inferior, um, and, and certainly racial undertones to the, to the whole ideology of, the, of Nazism. But I, I think you should turn these things on the head. When we encounter somebody and we see even members of Congress making allusions, comparing the Holocaust to COVID uh, restrictions and things, it, it, it demeans it and it, it minimizes the Holocaust in the eyes of people because they don't see what's so, if people don't uh, react to it and, and say you can't draw those kind of analogies 
because you diminish and demean the real seriousness of the crimes that were committed. Yeah, I hear that. Important lesson. While we're on the topic, what can you tell us about Amnesty International? That this is really vicious anti-Semitism gone wild. It's Amnesty International UK issued a 211-page report. I don't suggest people read it, read the summary. It'll make you sick to read it, where they essentially challenge Israel's right to exist. It's not about today. It's about 1948. It's about, you know, alleging Israel being an apartheid state, which is so contrary to fact. The United States called it absurd. The Germans attacked it. Many other countries, Australia, anybody with a brain would reject this this, uh, report. It's so one-sided. It's it's literally anti-Semitic. Uh, not just anti-Israel, and anybody who has questions about what is the distinction, just read that, you'll get it, and you'll understand that they, that Israel's just an excuse for, for uh, venting uh, against the, the Jewish people and Jewish rights and, and our standing and delegitimizing both Israel and the Jewish people by these, this kind of attack. But it, it demeans also the apartheid and what the blacks faced in South Africa, if you drew, draw a comparison, to what, uh, to what is going on in Israel. I mean, the fact that you have a, a Palestinian Islamist party, an Arab Islamist party, in the government, that you have Palestinians saying that they would prefer to live under Israeli rule, that in Jerusalem, I think it's 75%. That's not an apartheid state. And, and the increasing rights. Everybody can say, highlight that there are problems. We see it now in the in the UN, which is very serious, and I, I highlighted it a couple weeks ago when it was being passed, and, and we've had reaction, but it's minimal compared to the danger. This commission of inquiry, which has no time set, unlimited budget, it's like establishing a law firm for one purpose, and that's to attack Israel. In addition to the propaganda machines that the UN has created, the two committees, which they fund with many millions of dollars, the U.S. has to make sure that they cut off our funding. That uh, and we provide more than a quarter of the funding for the UN budget. That uh, these commissions, which will become and they will summon people, they will be able to do whatever they want in terms of getting information and being able to put out reports. It will be just an onslaught of, of hostile uh, uh, attacks on Israel and on Jews. I think it's a very dangerous movement. We're going to see a number of resolutions coming up soon. We're also going to see the International Criminal Court and Court of Justice maybe taking up cases. These are often dismissed by people, and it makes their brain hurt to think about it. But understand, it influences people. It becomes a justification for anti-Israel violence and hatred. And no one should dismiss it. Yeah. It certainly does make your brain hurt, but I'll tell you, we have to. If we have, if we thank God, have this opportunity in luxury and freedom, as opposed to so many prior generations uh, to fight this battle, then we have to consider ourselves lucky for that. By the way, on the Chicago case, we should mention there were there was at least one arrest made in that uh, anti-Semitic episode, if I'm not mistaken, right? And and there, the, there was one person, and he may, and that they're saying now that that person was responsible for most of the attacks, and but. There, but you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say the reason I wanted to point it out is because there's so many that, you know, wonder about the uh, police reaction and, uh, uh, you know, government reaction now to violent episodes. You see what's going on. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you see that people can walk into stores and loot the place and nothing happens to them. And people, unfortunately, can actually, you know, m- I mean, I hate to say it, but we know it's the case, you know, murder people and find themselves back on the street days later. Um, you, you know, so you wonder... But it's the- 
difference, uh, Nahum, that the arrests that took place with the guys who were attacked in Brooklyn, we've seen three or four p- cases where people were arrested, and it's only because of the street cameras and being able to get pictures and identify uh, the people. As much as I hate street cameras because of all those tickets we get for you know, school zones and everything, right. they really are. It's life-saving, and people who have cameras outside should make sure that they're on and they you never know how important it is in recording information that can be made available to solve cases. And we have to show, and it can't be this revolving door justice. It's just continuing and continuing. So if they don't feel that they ultimately have to pay a heavy price for what they do, then it'll be continue to happen. Yeah, I guess that's the irony of the Lakewood case where the guy, I think the guy actually posted the video himself. Like, you know. Yeah, and then was laughing, and then he sort of tried to deny but. But, you know, when somebody does that, he's self-indicting, right. and the, the course has to be very clear. And if you want to stop, you can't stop people from hating. But you can make them, you can pour, force them back under the rocks. What he does in his home and his living room is one thing. When he's driving the truck and when his public behavior, they have to be held to account. And if it's an elected official, if it's the businessman, if it's people on the street, all of them have to know there's a price to pay for this. Yeah. The increase is so substantial. I mean, what we see in one weekend is it's mind-boggling. I can't even tell it to people because if we said here all the things we see on a single weekend in the country, they'd say, oh, come on, I, I don't think it's that bad. It is that bad. And that's why you've got to take a strong stand on it. Wow. Malcolm Honline from Jerusalem. How many days of meetings will uh, your group have? Well, we we we're having, we had two parts. One is was in the UAE, which we're not doing because of the COVID situation. But we will be here. It'll be later this month, and we'll keep you updated. But it will be five days of very intense meetings, and I have now meetings these uh, in the next uh, two weeks to prepare and to catch up on all the people I didn't see for quite a while. <laughs> a chance that you'll be able to join us next week, or that's to be determined. Uh, we'll be determined, but God willing, I keep trying like today. Jet lag. No question yeah. about it. You just landed in Israel and you're with us. Uh, enjoy Shabbat and Yerushalayim, and thanks so much for joining us. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Malcolm, Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Friday's weekly update here at JM and the AM. He's in Jerusalem. Please, God, will be there soon, I hope. Uh, all of us should be there soon. If we're not there, we should at least uh, be experiencing things with our family to help bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora, including our Kosher Halftime Show presented by the Rothenberg Law Firm coming up a week from Sunday with Rabbi Shlomo Katz, the uh, featured performer. And we are looking forward to a great show. And, yes, you know the goal, everybody. The goal of this network always adjusts. And right now the goal is to uh, bridge that gap between Israel and the diaspora. No question about it um our uh, presentation our dvar torah our parsha shavuot discussion brought by yudin will be in memory of my brother harav moshe yona ben harav zev halevi uh, my brother's yard site he actually passed away on the 4th of february his yard site's tonight on the 4th of adar one and as i said earlier um those of you who are experiencing heartburn Please realize that heartburn often turns into Barrett's, which often turns into cancer. Esophageal cancer is what he died from. And uh, everybody out there should do their best to get an endoscopy, especially if you're a heartburn sufferer. Get an endoscopy. Speak to your doctor about it. Early prevention, early detection, 
is the best way for prevention. And boy, I could tell you what it what it prevents. It was um, a terrible, terrible, difficult ordeal. Um, and you don't want family, friends, or anybody to suffer like that. So please, endoscopy. Be aware of uh, esophageal cancer in addition to all the other cancers that are out there that need to be screened for. And ironically, Miriam Wallach told me it's either today or tomorrow that's World Cancer Day. Um, so yet another reason to uh, be on top of this topic and to bring it to everyone's attention. Friday morning broadcast, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Truma with candle lighting at 4.57. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. With Parshas Truma, we have the third part of the book of Shmos. And as the Ramban explains in his introduction to Sefer Shmos, it is called the book of Geula, redemption. It's understandable that the first part of the Sefer, which describes the persecution, suffering in Egypt, and the exodus therefrom, that is clearly redemption. The second part, Yisro Mishpatim, is the ultimate purpose of Yitzias Mitzrayim, namely that man should uh, have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And finally, says the Ramban, we need the third part, the last five portions of the book of Shmos, Truma Titzaveh, Kisisa Vayakel Pekude, in order to bring us back to that state where the Avos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, had that very special relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that they were literally the Merkava, they were the chariot of God's presence here in this world. And when we attained that exalted position by building the sanctuary, by building the Mishkan, we were ultimately redeemed. According to the Chinuch, there are three mitzvos in Parshas Truma, two positive and one uh, restriction, and clearly the eighth verse in the Parsha, V'asuli Mikdash, and you shall make for me a sanctuary, and V'shachanti B'socham, I will dwell in them. It's not that I will dwell in it only, <clears throat> but ultimately in them. The question that arises from the very second verse of the Parsha is that the language that is communicated to the people is V'yichu li truma. 
God says, literally, take for me truma, a gift, and the Torah enumerates what these gifts are for the construction of the sanctuary. Would it not have been more appropriate for the Torah to say, v'yitnu, to give, and like every other aspect of the Mikdash, there is such a powerful lesson that is being communicated to us with that word. V'yichu, take for me, as opposed to v'yitnu, give. And among the answers that I find exceedingly satisfying is that which Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechot Tzadik Levracha, in his Dorash Moshe, suggests the following idea. Ultimately, the Torah is teaching us the proper perspective to look upon the mitzvah of tzedakah. We think that when we give charity, we are writing a check and we are taking from ours and giving it to a individual institution, mikvah, yeshiva. No. What we are really doing is, as David HaMelech says <clears throat> in the end of Divrei Hayomim Aleph, in chapter 29, verse 14, and if one looks, starting with verse 10, the familiar part of our davening every day, by Varg David, es Hashem, Leine Kol HaKohol, David blessed Hashem. Now what's going on over there? David was not to build the base Hamigdash. However, David had the privilege of readying and preparing for the Beis Hamikdash, and he says very beautifully, "Thank you, Hashem, for giving us the opportunity to build a home for you and to prepare this." And ultimately, what he says at the end of verse fourteen in chapter twenty-nine is, "Ki mincha hakol." which translates as powerfully everything is from you and from your hand have we given to you it's not that we are giving from ours everything belongs to Hashem whatever we have This is what Hashem gave us, and this is what we need for our success in this world. So, therefore, v'yichu, let the gizborim, let the treasurers, let those who are responsible for the building of the sanctuary, v'yichu, let them come and take it. V'yichu li, they are literally taking and giving back to God that which is His. And this is such 
a powerful concept. If one recognizes that it all belongs to Hashem anyway, not only is it so much easier to write the check, because after all, you are giving back what He deposited by you, and consider yourself most fortunate that you were chosen to be His treasurer. And therefore, just as the Torah has in so many mitzvot, and this is a major theme of the Sefer HaChinuch. Take, for example, the mitzvah of Peah, whereby the Torah says that the Jewish farmer in the land of Israel is to leave over each and every year when he harvests his field, he is to leave over a portion a corner of the field for the poor. And the Sefer HaChinuch explains so beautifully that the reason behind this is that Hashem wants to develop good character in each and every one of us. And how does He do it? By imposing upon us that we be selfless instead of selfish, that we be generous individuals and in the privilege of our performing this mitzvah, which we think that we are doing for others and ostensibly on the surface it is for others because we're leaving it for the poor, but as a result of that this gives, this refines our character and this gives Hashem the opportunity to give us blessing. The Kabbalists tell us, Bereshis Baralukim, why did God create a world? And the answer that they give is, Teva Hatov Lahetiv, the nature of the Good One, with a capital G, God, the Good One, is to bestow blessings. He wants us to receive his blessings, but we have to be worthy of it. It's not to be namo de kisufa, it's not to be that which a handout from Hashem, but we have to, quote, deserve it. So by our leaving the corner, we are, on the one hand, refining our character, that we are better people, and this in turn gives Hashem the opportunity to bestow goodness and kindness upon us. Ah, similarly regarding the building of the sanctuary. We think that we are doing it for Him. He doesn't need a home. All of the reasons and concerns that man has in having a home, none of them apply to God. He doesn't need the Beis Amigdash, but we are given the directive as if we are doing something for Him, but as a result of our making the Mikdash for Him, explains the Chinuch once again, this is the opportunity for Hashem to shower His blessing upon us. And in this case here, it's not just the physical blessings that come from the base of Migdash, but the spiritual blessing that man becomes worthy of literally Vishokhanti 
Bisocham, that Hashem is going to uh, reside within them, meaning the Jewish people. And what we therefore find and have to take away from this week's parsha is the following. The Chinuch writes that what's the purpose of the Beis HaMikdash? And they are, number one, korbanos, to bring offerings. Secondly, aliyah l'regel, that Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkos, the entire nation is to come for a pilgrimage to the Beis HaMikdash, which provides unity for the Jewish people. The Gemara Megillah tells us that in the absence of a Beis HaMikdash, we have the Mikdash Ma'at, which is the Beis HaKnesses, our synagogue. And therefore, just as the Beis HaMikdash was a place of Korbanos, our prayer is in place of Korbanos. So, just as there was a Korban Tomid, the constant offering every morning without exception, we have Shacharis every day without exception. The Korban Tomid in the afternoon, we have Mincha every day without exception. We had nighttime in the Beis Migdash, the uh, remains of the offerings during the day were brought on the Mizbeach at nighttime. We have Mayriv every single night. So on the one hand, you have the prayers, but the tfilos that we offer, says the Balaturim <clears throat> in last week's parsha, Bavadatem Eis Hashem you are to serve God, which we know is prayer, and that verse is in the plural, and then afterwards the Torah says, Uveirach eslach mecha, He will bless, literally, your bread, your water, he's going to give to you. It starts in the plural, and it ends in the personal, each individual. The idea being that by being united as part of a, of a nation, by praying together, the benefit thereof is that each individual will receive the personal blessings from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So on the one hand, it is a place of tefillah, but take it one step beyond. We are taught that in the Beis HaMikdash there was a Sha'ar for Chasanim. There was a Sha'ar for Avelim. What does that mean? It means there was a special place where on a daily basis people were able to come and rejoice with a Chasan, someone who just got married, and to be able to be empathetic and to deal with the mourner and to show the mourner that they are not alone, that they are part of our people, etc. And therefore, as the Beis HaMikdash was a great source of chesed, our Beis HaKnesses has to be that generator of chesed as well. The idea of looking around, and the Gemara tells us in Sukkah, that there was a very large synagogue in Alexandria, and interestingly, artisans davened together. What does that mean? The various craftsmen 
Davin. And so if a person was out of work, he would be able to be with his, quote, landslide, and one would help another. So the idea is that from the Beis HaKnesses is to generate this beautiful concern one for another, and as a result of that, our showing concern one for another, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds in kind to us. So, the concept of building a Beis HaMikdash, which we are privileged to have in this week's parsha, is way beyond the simple understanding. On the surface, we're doing it for Him. In reality, it is ultimately we, the people who have the opportunity, the privilege to do it, we are the greater beneficiaries thereof. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M., Home Done by the Solomon Brothers. That's brand new. Uh, before that, you heard the song that everyone's talking about, Eitan Cats and Truma. It's off of his upcoming brand new album. And um, it's off of his upcoming brand new album, and obviously perfect for this week. Thank you, Mark Zomick. Thank you, Avrami Finkelstein, everybody who made sure to alert me to that. Much appreciated. Nice selection for Parsha's Truma called Truma here at JMAM. Candle lighting at 457 on this 4th of February, the 3rd of Adar 1. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Truma with rain, freezing rain, and a high today of 55. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Enjoy a 10% discount on all Abels and Hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio. A&H has been serving the kosher world since 1954, and A&H products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today and Get ready for Super Bowl Sunday when a whole bunch of people are going to be enjoying some A&H products. That I can guarantee you. be a lot of people that are going to be enjoying A&H on Super Bowl Sunday. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Thank you, listener Yudi. Wishing us a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you uh, to... Um, oh, thank you to uh, P. Englard. Nahum, your brothers in Shabbos, have an Aliyah. Good Shabbos. I appreciate that. And uh, also another message from Savi Sandy. Welcome back, Nahum. May your brothers and Shama have an aliyah. Wishing you with Stacey a peaceful, restful, good Shabbos. Thank you. And to everybody, a peaceful and restful, good Shabbos. As I mentioned, my brother's yard site is uh, tonight. He actually passed away on the 4th of February, and his yard site's tonight on the 4th of Adar 1. Harav Moshe Yona, Ben Harav Zev Halevi. And I appreciate those who always help me commemorate what is an important day in our family. And uh, don't forget what I said. The endoscopy is the test you want if you suffer from any type of heartburn because that could turn into Barrett's, which could turn into, God forbid, esophageal cancer. And that is something that if I could prevent one more person from getting, boy, oh boy, that's a major, major victory, a real victory. Because um, I saw firsthand what uh, someone goes through when they're suffering from stage four esophageal cancer. And if I can prevent that for somebody out there, and I know we've prevented it for certain people already in the past with these announcements, and uh, that would be amazing. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning with a reminder that uh, Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show will be at 10 a.m. Eastern time. It's brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Um, so that's happening uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern time. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And that's going to be happening. Uh, that's going to be happening uh, tomorrow night, starting at nine p.m. Eastern time. Sunday, Matis with J.M. Sunday. Pretty amazing, huh? Just keeps on going, Matis. Amazing. He is. He is amazing. Um, with a brand new show every single Sunday. Tune in. Tune in this coming Sunday between seven and nine a.m. You'll be glad you did, that I can tell you. You'll be very glad you did. Uh, and then, of course, Monday morning, we look forward to seeing you. Next week's a big week for us as we build up the Kosher Halftime Show 2022 right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Maisha Laufer has a song he calls the Shabbos and Yontif Waltz. Here it is at JM in the AM.
Moshe Laufer calls us his Shabbos and Yom Tov Nigun here at JM in the AM. And we, uh, well, do what we always do, wrap up the week with journeys, tied to sacred Shabbos at JM in the AM. Very, 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 very. 
brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and alchemistical.com, and the alchemistical network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday here at JMM. My thanks again to Avrami for taking over yesterday, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Amazing weekend programming at 10 o'clock this morning, Eastern Time. It's the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. Final hour coming up at about uh, 4 p.m. Um, all day long, Kedem presentation of the uh, Arab Shabbos music mix. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel, Avrami, and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Enjoy all the great programming, and of course, I'll speak to you, please God, Monday as we get set for a great week leading up to Kosher Halftime Show 2022. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, until uh, Monday morning, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.